0: Fallowseed Tales Tabula Rasa is a Podzilla 1985 production. Headphones recommended. Listener discretion advised.
1: Always something with this
0: fucking thing, Christ. Are we rolling? Hello. What do we got here? <laughs> uh, a nice big audio spike that practically blew out my left eardrum. Thanks for that. We're on. Ah. Do not mention it. All right, let's get the pleasantries out of the way.
1: <clears throat> I'm Special Agent Harry Donovan, Federal Bureau of Investigation. That other charming individual you just heard is Special Agent Lambert, comma, Samuel. Sam's fine, thanks. It is October 2nd, 2023. Local time is 8.33 a.m. here at Site Echo, which, by the way, looks as if it hasn't had a visitor since the Angels won the series.
0: And for those of us who don't
1: keep up with the baseball... How did I know you were going to say that, huh? Sheesh, 2002, a little over 20 years.
0: Yeah, it seems about right. There's not an LED bulb in sight here. It's wonder if any of these halogens are still working.
1: Not like there's anything worth looking at anyway. We'd be just as well without them. Spark up a little campfire, swap spooky stories, maybe roast a couple of marshmallows in between torching these files. You know, back home, there used to be this crazy radio show around this time of year. And, Focus, um, we're on the clock Right, right, right All right. Anyway This recording serves as official documentation Of the resolution of the incidents Herein, satisfactory or otherwise As the Bureau has determined them To no longer be within its jurisdiction In other words, these cases are so cold They've got frostbite And the top brass are washing their hands of them. Me and Sammy are just here to do the washing
0: Sam, and that is a weird analogy It sounds like we're doing laundry Not washing hands Who washes someone else's hands anyway? Now, who needs to focus, Webster? Alright, touche. Let's get on with it. Let's.
1: Hmm. Well, starting with an oldie but a goodie, looks like. All the way back to the 60s, 70s almost, but not quite. Ever heard of the Roush Circus Royale?
0: I can't say as I have. A regional thing?
1: Not sure. Probably. case is only half about it, though
0: and the other half
1: (laughs) the catholic church
2: the date is august 14th 1969 my name is father james o'malley and under the direction of the papacy i am currently attending the roush circus royale to speak with one of their performers a young woman who may be in need of our particular services The Vatican requires these events to be recorded for posterity. What follows is simply my due diligence for the sake of the Church. If you would state your name and occupation, please.
3: Uh, sure thing, Father. I'm Reginald Roush, proprietor of the Roush Circus Royale. Finest in traveling entertainment. Yeah. Uh, sorry, it's kind of difficult to turn it off, you know?
2: Of course. Could you briefly explain why you requested the assistance
3: of the Church, Mr. Roush? That's the thing, isn't it, Padre? See, the truth is, I didn't reach out to y'all. Mainly because I think this is all a crock of shit. No no offense. None taken, but if you didn't... (sighs) Look, Luna is just fine, okay? Okay, she's been with us for a while now. Showed up in 54 when she was 14, trying to avoid the orphanage. Daddy was killed in the war. Couldn't do it on her own and checked out not long after. Luna eventually fell in with the acrobats took her a while to pick up the trapeze, but as soon as she got the hang of it, and it was like she was just meant to fly around up there. You really should see her at work, Father. She's, she's a little eccentric, sure, but for the attention she brings to her operation here, well, let's just say a touch of weirdness doesn't outweigh the many butts and deceits, you know?
2: So that would mean the young woman is just shy of 30 years old, yes? And she's only just perfected
3: her craft? How recently would you say? Let me see here. It was cold as a witch's tit, I remember that much. After Christmas for sure, so January maybe? Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. Because Esmeralda never came back for Valentine's. Pissed me off, something special. I tell you, Carnival's got to have someone like her around who loves me. Ain't that right, Padre?
2: Yeah, yes, quite. Uh, Who is this Esmeralda? And what does she have to do with Luna's improvement? Another
3: acrobat? (laughs) Hell no. Esmeralda was our fortune teller she'd been with the circus for a couple years. Fancy type. Uh, Luna looked up to that, I suppose. Girly stuff. Not a lot of refined women in our line of work, as you might imagine. Anyway, I had Luna slinging tickets at the main gate before she became a featured attraction. And wouldn't you know it, one night, two of them just up and disappeared before the show. Left me in a real bitch of a bind, too.
2: No note left behind? No one else saw them leave?
3: Like they were gone on the wind, Padre. And then about two weeks later, Luna was right back under the big top one morning. Rehearsal like she never left. Only thing different was her swinging around like a monkey on a vine without a, so much as a safety net. And Esmeralda? Never saw hide nor of ever again. Luna said it was the fortune teller's idea to run off in the first place. Coerced was the word she used. But they got separated and then Luna had to find her way back to us by her lonesome.
2: Are you not concerned for Esmeralda's well-being, Mr. Roush?
3: Not particularly, Padre. People like her work for people like me, know what they're getting into. A lot of times they're here because they don't want to be found. They leave, they usually just doesn't change.
2: I see. And Luna, did you find her
3: newfound talent to be strange? Ah, I found it to be profitable. If we're being frank, a girl like that goes from subpar to superstar, Fortnite, and it doesn't cost me a dime to train her, I ain't in a position to complain. But I uh, reckon that's where you come in, someone in my employee likely doesn't much appreciate how high and mighty little Luna's gotten recently. I know better. That kind of thing just comes with fame and fortune. If I could see one of the others letting that green-eyed monster get to him.
2: Indeed. Would it be possible to see the young woman perform this incredible act of hers?
3: Ah, six nights a week, twice on Saturdays, Father. You're in luck. Luna's on at about, 20 minutes, it looks like, and I'm feeling generous. Follow me.
2: The time is approximately 10.40 p.m., and I've just exited the big top after Luna's trapeze performance. As advertised, it was mesmerizing. I'm decidedly not a trained eye when it comes to the performing arts, but the way that woman moves through the air so fluidly does not seem... Natural. It's unsettling, even if I can't quite put my finger on why just yet for certain. Thank you again, Mr. Roush, for your assistance tonight. I appreciate your discretion regarding these matters.
3: Uh, back at you, Padre. I don't want my people or my customers spook- spooked any more than you do. You uh, got a coat or something to cover up that fancy collar of yours? Luna, Luna's a carny at heart. She'll clock that thing a mile away.
2: Uh oh, right, right. Uh don't, but I suppose I can remove it for now. <clears throat> there we are.
3: Righty then here we go. There's my girl.
4: Mr. Rouse. I tried something new tonight. What'd you think? Did you notice?
3: As if I would have been looking. Anywhere else. You keep adding rotation to that last release of yours. We're gonna have to get Mr. Guinness down here to put the <laughs> put you in his book.
4: Oh, stop. You're too much, Mr. Roush. And, uh, who's this with you? I,
3: I, don't you worry none about him, sweetheart. This here is Mr. O'Malley. Uh...
2: A collector of stories, madam. I was also fortunate enough to bear witness to those death-defying feats you performed here tonight, and as such, I'd love the opportunity to speak with you for a while about your capabilities. Your employer here kindly escorted me to you under the assumption that you wouldn't mind. But of course, if that isn't the case.
4: Hmm. I suppose you'd be alright. You staying with us, though, right, Mr. Roush?
3: Have it any other way, pumpkin. Hmm. Splendid. Luna.
2: Would you mind starting at the beginning for me, please? Mr. Roush gave me the highlights as they were, but the details mostly reside within you, I imagine. Well,
4: all right. I don't come from much. Folks probably don't like it that I say it that way, but it's true. Mom and Daddy weren't exactly well-to-do before they had me, and they sure weren't any better off afterward. (laughs) I don't really remember daddy at all. He was only home with me for a month or two after I was born before he shipped out. Then he didn't make it back. I wish I could say that mama tried, but nowadays, looking back on it, I honestly don't know if she did. (laughs) You'd think that since I was the only thing left of him, really, she'd hold on to me tight, but instead she let go of her own daughter and everything else too. And then there was just me.
2: (laughs) Must have been difficult taking care of yourself at such a young age.
4: Oh, I got by. That was cute, after all. (laughs) Like it or not, that'll get you a long way further than it ought to, probably. But every time I got run off from someplace by hanging around too long, they'd try to put me into one of those kiddie prisons, and I wasn't having any of that.
2: Orphanages, you mean. Why were you so adverse to that life?
4: Because it ain't much of a life, Mr. O'Malley. Sitting around like a pound puppy, waiting for some down on the luck couple to take you in and pretend like they're your real family, getting treated like dirt in the meantime. No, thanks. So, once I was old enough to hop on the rail, I rode it to the end of the line, right into this circus. But, uh, no offense, Mr. Roush. I know what I'm about.
2: And then your life improved markedly, yes?
4: Well, eventually. Anyway, none of this came naturally to me. Not not at first. I, I wanted to perform, but I wasn't really good at anything other than being likable. So, Mr. Roush put me here and put my face out front where it would sell tickets. I really like spending time with the acrobats, though. Now that's a real family. They took me in and showed me a few things here and there, in between performances.
2: <laughs> but that's not how you became the featured attraction that you are now, is it, Luna?
4: What do you think of you like a drink? I think I have one. Anyone?
3: Oh, oh, sure, sure, yeah.
2: Uh, no, but thank you. I uh, like to keep my mind sharp.
4: Hmm, save yourself. You know, I thought that fortune teller was in love with me or something. (laughs) I mean, it wasn't like I went to her for company. It was the other way around. One day, she's sitting beside me at breakfast. (laughs) Then she starts showing up to the ticket booth just to chit chat. (laughs) Next thing I know, we're sharing a bunk, and. He's asking me all these crazy questions about my dreams and what I want out of life, what I'm willing to do to get it.
3: Uh, Say, uh, maybe we ought to go get a bite to eat before knocking back too much of this mash. What do you reckon?
4: See, somewhere in all that talking, I made mention that I was from Wilder, Kentucky, and Esmeralda. Well, (laughs) she latched onto that and wouldn't let go. We simply had to go see my hometown together, she said. I told her that I didn't have any interest in that sort of thing and she explained that our trip wouldn't have anything to do with going back to my roots. It was about going back to hers. Esmeralda, turns out, had had a pretty eccentric family history too. chock full of unusual stuff, everything from herbal remedies to oh I don't know, ritualistic sacrifice.
2: Okay, that's enough. What what did the two of you do in Wilder, Luna?
4: <laughs> oh, you're a little off-base, Mr. O'Malley. Esmeralda had already done the deed for herself back when she was basically just a kid. Told me all about it on the way to Wilder. She took a chicken right out of the family coop and slid it. Wrote and let it dry right into the little altar they had in their shed. Said a couple words she didn't even understand right there under the moonlight. Sure, as we're sitting here the next morning, she started having visions of the future. Barbaric. Says you, father. Some would say otherwise brave comes to mind. Ruthless, perhaps? She did what needed to be done to elevate her position in life. So did I.
2: What did you just call me? No more, Luna.
4: Oh, please, Mr. O'Malley. Call her, no, you reek of piety. Well, that and holy water. I caught a whiff of that vile in front pocket the moment you stepped into the circus grounds hours ago. The question is, if you really believed you were on a proper, righteous mission here, then why all the game? Come on, get on with it. Ask if you really want to ask already.
2: What did you do with Esmeralda?
4: (laughs) Ding! We have a winner, ladies and
3: gentlemen. (laughs) Enough. This has gone too far.
4: Say no more. (laughs) Oh, come on now, Mr. Rouse. You can't expect me to believe that you truly still want to remain in the dark about what happened to your precious mystic, can you? It's been so long, and I've been dying to let the proverbial cat out of the bag.
2: Where is she, Luna? Where did you leave Esmeralda?
4: <laughs> oh, Father, you wound me. As if some run of the mill murderer, sprinkling victims all along my path like so many breadcrumbs. Perhaps you aren't as shocked as I hmm. Allow me to illuminate. wilder like every spit of settled land in this godforsaken country is home to a local legend, the Hellmouth a literal portal into the underworld or so the village voices would have you believe every visitor is subjected to the rumors like it or not the slaughterhouse Underground well where the blood of innocence has seeped for centuries. The dark forces at play in the shadows. Mother never was one for story time with me, but living in Wilder and being ignorant to the Hellmouth is quite impossible, I assure you. And of oh. course, Esmeralda has done her homework.
3: Oh, no, no!
4: <laughs> yes! We wasted no time practically racing to the precise location. Picking the lock on the cellar door was a breeze for her and seconds later we were face to face with the deepest, darkest hole you could possibly imagine. I could feel its energy radiating pulsing outward, enveloping me in a a warmth I'd never felt before. And I haven't since. That's when Esmeralda's fist connected with my left temple.
2: She uh, attacked you. Mmm. It was a
4: wild, limp-wristed swing, but it was still enough to send me tumbling onto the cracked stone floor. And then she was on me, hands around my neck. Don't pressed into my throat, squeezing as though her life depended on it. At that moment, I finally understood why we had actually gone to Wilder. Why the fortune teller had insisted on becoming such fast friends with me. It wasn't love. It was desire. She needed another sacrifice. Someone that no one would miss. Someone ambitious who could be lured with the promise of power, and I walked right up to the mouth of hell alongside her of my own will.
2: Her gifts were fading.
4: Mm, and I was just the offering to renew her strength, yes, yes! Now you're getting it, Father. Now my mama may not have taught me much, but in her absence, I learned a lot on my own including how to defend myself. Unfortunately for poor Esmeralda, I'm not above hair pulling or biting to get out of a tight spot. I grabbed a fistful of those long dark locks of hers and yanked so hard that I actually came away with a bit of scalp. I knew this not because I could see it, but because I could feel the hell mouth practically growl in anticipation. Blood and the water, and so forth, and so on. <laughs> Esmeralda screamed and released me in shock, and that was all the opening I needed. I took as much air as I could into my burning lungs and lurched forward, tackling her to the ground just inches away from that vile pit of darkness. Even over the low humming noise that came from within it, I could hear the liquidy crunch of bone and blood as I gripped Esmeralda's skull with both hands and dashed it into the floor over and over again until she was unrecognizable <laughs> both as herself and as a person in general. <laughs> oh, it's a shame she didn't predict that one. <laughs> God. You did kill her. Oh, my oh. God. <laughs> Honestly, Reginald, after all this time, did you truly still harbor any notion that I had? <laughs> oh, pathetic. <laughs> I did what I had to do, damn it. It was either her or me. One of us was not going to leave that chamber alive, and she had already had her chance. It was my turn to live the life I deserved. I won't apologize for surviving.
2: But you didn't just survive, did you? You used her.
4: Like she wanted to use me, father. Let's keep some perspective, shall we? (laughs) Besides, I didn't intend for Esmeralda's blood to seep into the portal. I just didn't stop it after the process had already begun. There was little point by then anyway. The mouth hungered, and I obliged. It whispered such wonderful things to me, unimaginable things. So, when the blood wasn't enough, I gladly hefted what was left of the fortune teller up and over the edge of the pit. She tumbled down down for so long, I I don't remember her even hitting the bottom, come to think of it. (laughs) Not even as I knelt in the pool she left behind. Not even as I prayed.
2: Bevil little bitch, don't move, Reginald.
4: Oh my goodness. So it's come to this, has it, Reginald? You welcome me back into your flock with open arms, exploit my abilities to line your pockets, keep my secret for months on end to your own benefit, and now you have the unmitigated gall to point a gun in the face of the very savior of your ramshackle little operation? You never told me you
3: killed anyone. I don't know, sacrificed them.
4: Because you refuse to hear it, I tried to let you into my life, make you a part of what I am, but you wouldn't have it. You and your precious pride. Besides, can you honestly say you never suspected a thing? Your hands are as red with blood as mine, you greedy pig. Father, will you just stand idly by while this man threatens my life? Can you just...
2: Have you forsaken him, woman? Did you pray to the Lord of Lies that night?
4: No, of course not. I, I said, no thanks. I don't want my every wish and desire to come true. And then I said, Hail Mary and kiss my crucifix. And Do not then... talk to
2: the mighty demon.
4: Ooh, that's some big talk from a priest without his vestment. But Roush was relieved when you voluntarily took off that collar. He didn't even have to talk you into it, huh? I was. I, you don't.
3: I had no idea
2: why. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.
3: (laughs)
4: You're too old for this, James. Too weak. Too frail.
2: Most glorious prince of the heavenly armies.
4: (laughs) Your God couldn't save my daddy from those bullets.
2: Couldn't save
4: my mama from herself. And now... He can't save you from me. She's mine for you.
2: (laughs) Pray, therefore, the God of peace.
3: Father. Father?
0: Luna? Yikes. Let me guess. Murder-suicide gone wrong? Oh, home run, Sammy boy.
1: There's a couple of newspaper articles in the file with the recording. Headline number one. Roush Circus Royale closes. Tragic incident shatters family entertainment hotspot. Reporter speculates that the girl and the owner got into a heated argument about her compensation and that turned lethal. And When Reggie realized what he'd done, he couldn't live with himself. And the exorcist? Article 2, page 6, Beloved Priest Passes, Community Mourns. Now, here's where it gets interesting. Quote, Father James O'Malley died peacefully overnight in his home. He was discovered the next morning by a member of the diocese performing a wellness check when O'Malley didn't respond to phone calls or knocks at his door. Wait, I thought... You thought right. There's no way Roush didn't end them both, even if the father's death was accidental, based on what we heard. Hypothesis?
0: Pretty straightforward. The church couldn't explain O'Malley's involvement, so they had him moved, paid off the right people, made it look like natural causes. Two separate situations. Checks out.
1: But how'd the tape get into a Bureau Black site instead of locked away underneath the Vatican in some kind of super vault?
0: Well, they never did explain who called into the church in the first place, did they?
1: No, they did not. Plain clothes? Undercover?
0: Tough to say, but makes sense. Verdict? Torch it. Done and done. And that is victim one for Project Tabula Rosa. What's next? Halas Eve Tales, Tabula Rasa is a production of Podzilla 1985. Under the Big Top was created by Tanner Calvert, written for performance by Hunter Hendricks, and starring Shannon Young, Hunter Hendrix, Jesse Kimball, Tanner Calvert, and Amber Dawn. Catch every episode of this seasonal series, as well as the full slate of Podzilla podcasts, like PZ85 Plays, After Dark, and more, at podzilla1985.com or on your favorite podcasting service.